then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do you know why it's called a sacrifice of praise? Because most of us in the Midwest are emotionally constipated. And it is a sacrifice to actually open your mouth with other human beings around you and sing. How many of you, just be honest, I don't like to sing. Raise your hand. Oh, you're, you know, there's so many liars here. There's one guy, one guy that raised his hand. The rest of all of you are liars. When I first came to Grace back in 1988, I was not a Christian, and I was just enthralled with what the Scripture says. I just wanted to hear the teaching. I wanted to hear the teaching. I wanted to hear the teaching. Teach, teach, teach. And I turned to my girlfriend, now my wife, and I said, why do we always have to sing? Why do we have to sing? And... Here's why we have to sing. Because it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. And for some of you, it's a sacrifice. It's a real sacrifice to allow your voice to raise to a decibel level where someone six inches from you might actually find out you love Jesus. I know that's terrifying for some of you, but God's saying, offer it. Offer it. Some of you are like, I'm going to a different church. We'll get to that verse in verse 15 through 18 here later in the chapter. So worship, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. It does involve singing, and the text actually talks about that. But it's so much more. It's so much more. In, in verse 28 here, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. So last week, Pastor Steve uh, gave us uh, the bulk of, of or the second half of, of Hebrews 12, and that we, through Christ, we've received a kingdom that can't be shaken. It can't be taken from us. Here's the deal. You will have your health taken from you. You will have your wealth taken with you. You can't take it with you. Your family, they will go on to the Lord before you, or you will leave them. These are all things that you can't hold on to forever. But the kingdom of God, which is being given to you in Christ Jesus, is eternal. It is unshakable. Nothing can, can move that. In light of that, thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. Okay, so this worship is, is what we now do. Because we've received something, we've received a kingdom, that is, we've received an eternal relationship with Christ by grace, grace, easy for you to say, by grace, through faith, we've received this relationship with Christ. It's all of what Jesus has done. He gives us a better covenant. It's not because of what you do. This is what Christ has done. We receive it by grace, through faith. And because of that, because we've received this unshakable kingdom, the author of Hebrews is saying, okay, now here's what you do. Here's what we do. What do we do? It's right there. We offer to God acceptable worship. Acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, that, that word acceptable, it means pleasing. It means pleasing. You cannot please God apart from faith. We learned this in Hebrews chapter 11. It's impossible to God to please him, impossible to please God except through faith. That means that we trust him. We trust him for his provision, for his rest, for his eternal life. All of these things, we are trusting, trusting, trusting. And the response of trust is offering worship. It includes singing, but it's so, so much more. 
the essence here of worship, offering to God acceptable worship, that word worship, it means service. It means service. So a one word, the way to think of worship, if you think just one word, it's a response. So it's the offering of our whole selves, everything of who we are to God is our act of worship. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, in view of God's mercy, that is, therefore, in view of everything that I've written in, in verses chapter 1 through chapter 11, which explains all that Jesus has done for us, in light of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for that is your spiritual act of worship. It's very similar to what the author here in Hebrews chapter 12 is saying. We offer ourselves. So yes, what you do just before the sermon when you sing is part of worship. But more importantly, what you do when you leave this building is part of worship. And everything you do from the time you come back next week is part of worship. Whether you're a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, single mom, single person married, your relationships, how you treat others is a part of worship. How you do your job is a part of worship. How you interact with your neighbors is a part of worship. Everything falls under the umbrella of worship, of worship. So it's the offering of ourselves. Now, chapter 13 is going to, sh- to show us what that actually looks like. So let's take a look at what worship does, what worship does. So open up your Bibles. We're in Hebrews chapter 13. The first section here is let brotherly love continue. So offer yourselves as worship, uh, as acceptable worship. And here's what it looks like. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are in the body. Okay, we'll stop right here. Worship looks like love. Worship looks like love. Jesus said, they asked him, what are the greatest, what's the greatest commandment? He says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the essence of worship that's acceptable to God is, is described in one word. It's love. Who? Who? Well, what's the, what's the text say? What's verse 1 say? Who are we to love? Well, first of all, brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, he says, let brother love continue. That assumes that it's actually ongoing. Now, there's a chance that there's not a whole lot of brotherly love. In, in your life, and maybe you're lacking love and you're not receiving love. If that's the case, then our first step is to repent of that and begin to love. But he's exhorting us to continue to do what we're already doing, and that is to love one another. Jesus said in John chapter 13, as I have loved you in the same way, you ought to love one another. For as you love one another, the world will know, the world will know that the Father has sent me. In other words, he's tying our love for each other with the credibility of our witness. In other words, if there is no love, brotherly love within the church, the world looks at that and says, I have no real reason to believe that there's any validity to what you say you believe. Now, when the world looks at the church and sees the love that the church has for each other and for the community, they say, there's something different about those people. Which leads us to the second part of this verse. Verse two, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angel unaware. Now, now in, in the first century, there weren't 
there weren't uh, Motel 6s in every city. There were inns in some of the larger cities, but those typically had a lot to do with debauchery and they were dangerous places. So Christians were exhorted to open up their homes to whom? Total strangers. Now, when you think of hospitality, what do you think of? If you're like me, you think of inviting people over tomorrow's Memorial Day. Um, We're grateful for those who have given their lives for us and secured our freedom. Well, in light of Christ giving his life for us to secure our freedom in him, he's saying, open up your homes, not just to your Christian friends, but to people who are total strangers to you. That's a stretch. That's why Jesus said, don't just invite your friends and your relatives. Invite those who cannot return the favor. Cannot return the favor. Those who are not like you. Those who are strangers, aliens, foreigners in our city. That, that's who the author is speaking of. So showing hospitality. Now look at verse 3. Remember those who are in prison as those in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Right before the second service, I had a conversation with someone who is from Morocco. This person knows many people who, uh, knows many people who are referred to as crossers. What are crossers? Crossers are those who cross over from Islam into Christianity. And as we talked before the second service, she was sharing with me, these people are in torment. Literally, they are in prison. They are being beaten. They are being persecuted. They are being driven from their homes and driven from their families. Why? Because they love Jesus. And so what is our response? We ought to suffer with them. Now, we can't suffer with them literally, but we can enter into solidarity with them. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. We can intercede for them. And they're on the other side of the world. Now, there's people that you can do that in your own community with. To the degree that the body of Christ suffers well with others that suffer and intercedes for those who are suffering, it demonstrates the love of Christ to the world around. To the degree that we don't, it doesn't. And that's what worship looks like. That's what worship looks like, love. Loving the body of Christ, those who are suffering in the body of Christ, and showing hospitality to complete strangers. That's what it looks like. There's a couple things that will hinder it. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We'll stop right there. Two things that will hinder worship. Both of these things, uh, what they have in common, materialism, the love of money, and sexual immorality, the gratification of the flesh outside a covenant of marriage, both of these have in common is an inward focus on self. So once we turn from focusing on Christ and we focus on gratifying ourselves, either through the acquisition of flesh and sexual immorality or the acquisition of stuff through materialism, now we are no longer concerned with loving our brothers or loving our spouses. We're only concerned with pleasing ourselves. And those things will derail worship. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, you cannot, you can't, it's not possible. You can't worship both God and money at the same time. You'll love the one and hate the other. It's just not possible. So he says, you can't do it. And that's the same chapter where he says, therefore, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear. 
God clothes the, the flowers. They're, they're more beautiful than Solomon in all his splendor. And they're going to fade away. The, the birds of the air, they don't concern themselves with, with their IRAs and saving plans that, that God provides for them. Now, that's not an admonition to be irresponsible about not to save. It is an admonition not to concern yourself or worry or be anxious about the future. Instead, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be taken care of. In other words, seek to live your life as an acceptable offering of worship. And don't focus on sexual immorality or materialism. Why? Because the Lord is my helper. I'm not going to fear. What can man do to me? The Lord will provide a sexual outlet in a partner a partnership with someone with merit. The Lord will provide for you materially. It'll provide for you by you working. But even if you can't work, God is still going to provide. This is a general promise. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. So, that's what worship looks like with a couple things that can hinder it. Now, the next section here in the text is how worship grows. Now, I want to preface this by saying that, uh, let me tell you how worship grows. By us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that's a reference back to last chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. But we typically need someone to remind us Look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. So the next section here is about the people that remind us to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, which then facilitates our growth. Make sense? So let's take a look at the text. Verse 7, Hebrews chapter 13. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. Now, there's a reason that I preface this section with growth in worship leads to focusing on Jesus because I don't want you to mistake, oh, so my growth is dependent upon you, a leader. No, 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 no. Your growth is dependent on you keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. But there are leaders in the church who help the body of Christ do that. And so the author here is drawing attention now to leaders in the body of Christ. Remember, consider, and imitate. Remember, consider, and imitate. This is nothing more than discipleship. You heard the word before? Discipleship. A disciple is someone who follows someone else, a teacher. So in Jesus' day, you would be a disciple of John the Baptist, or you would be a disciple of this particular rabbi, this particular teacher. That meant that you followed their teaching. You followed their way of life. You listened. You submitted yourself to them as they taught you. And Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. So who are we disciples of? It's not a trick question. Jesus. So we follow Jesus. But who teaches you what Jesus says? Well, the Word of God, but there are leaders in the church that help focus our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, what does a good leader do? A good leader, look at verse 8 and 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led astray, led away by diverse and strange teachings. So here's the danger in the body of Christ. There's always somebody, somewhere, some teacher, who is teaching and pointing people away from Jesus 
to something else. And they're, they're, fo- they're majoring on the minors or, or they're focusing on things which are not beneficial about this rule, about that rule, about this way of life and so forth. And Jesus seems to be lost in the shuffle. Or Jesus is a means to an end, to make them healthy, to make them wealthy, to make them prosperous. And he's saying, be careful of strange teachers. Jesus never changes. So consider these leaders. Imitate their way of life. Provided they are pointing to Jesus. Good leaders keep pointing you back to Jesus. That's what they do. Trivia question. Who wrote Hebrews? No one knows. What did the author of Hebrews write about? Oh, come on. We've been in Hebrews since... Jesus! You don't even know the guy's name! So what did he, what's he been doing? Pointing to Jesus... Jesus is a better new covenant. Jesus is a better prophet. Jesus is a better Moses. Jesus is a better high priest. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You don't even know who wrote this book. This is someone. Now, the author of the people who received it probably knew who he was. But that's, that's, that's the point. It's not significant. The leader is not significant. Whom the leader is following is significant. Does that make sense? So, the reference here, verses 8 through 16, is a tangible example of some bad teaching and what a good leader points to. So let's just read this. It won't be on the PowerPoint, but let's just look over it here. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. That means there's diverse and strange teachers. That means there's people in the world who are not feeding you the truth. For it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. Now, in their context, they were receiving bad teaching that said, you know what's the key to your spiritual growth? Not eating shellfish. There you go. You can just check. I have got my spirituality going on because I got a kosher diet. And the author of Hebrews is like, no, that's not the point. The point is, Fill in the blank. Jesus. It's what Jesus has done, not what you don't eat or what you do eat. Now he keeps going on. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him. Notice what he's doing. He keeps exhorting us to go to Christ, go to Christ, go to Christ. To him outside the camp and bear the approach he endured. For we have no lasting city, but we will see the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips to acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such are the sacrifices that are pleasing to God. That's what good teachers do. That's what good leaders do. They take your eyes off of them and they say, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Now, if there comes a time in the history of Grace Community Church in the future where I or someone in the future should stop pointing you to Jesus, you should probably leave for your own good and for your family's good. And that could happen. That could happen. There are a lot of good churches 
throughout the history of the body of Christ, I'm talking about local churches, not the church, all people who follow Jesus throughout all time. There's been a lot of good churches throughout the history of the church who at some point in time, their leaders stopped following Jesus and stopped exhorting their, uh, the people else in the church to follow Jesus. And bad teaching and false doctrine slipped in. And those churches mercifully died or prospered, unfortunately. A.W. Tozer once said that without the Holy Spirit, the church is doomed to failure or worse, success. And what's the Holy Spirit's role? The Holy Spirit, according to J.I. Packer, theologian, is the, he's the shy member of the Trinity, if you will. What does he do? He says, don't look at me, look at Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Focus our attention on Jesus. And any leader that's worth his salt is going to focus people to Christ. Verse 17. In light of that, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Now, some of you are, you're cynical. Truthfully, I'm a tad on the cynical side. And you're thinking, oh, how convenient, Brooks, that you as a pastor are now telling us all to submit to the leaders in their church. Oh, isn't it coincidence that you happen to be a leader in the church? That is a rather cynical view. And let me just calm your nerves and calm your fears. Here at Grace Community Church, we do what's called expository preaching. That means that we preach the Bible one verse at a time. And now we are on verse 17. It's just the next verse. It is literally the next verse. Now, some of you think that way because you are, you've, you've had leaders in the past who have abused their authority. And I'm not above that. I'm not above that. That's why verse 17 applies to me too. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 21. You got your eyes on it? What's it say? Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence and awe to Christ. So you're, we are to, who's he speaking to? The church. So who are we supposed to submit to? One another. Everyone should submit to someone, including your leaders. Now, the next verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 is, wives, submit to your husbands. But verse 21 implies that there's times where husbands should submit to their wives. Did you know that? Did you know that? Husbands, if you've never submitted your wife, you're kind of a schmuck. So some, of your, some of you guys are, blah, 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 blah. you're a bad teacher, I'm out of here. I just told you what the Bible says. Here's the deal. Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. Jesus took off his towel and kneeled and submitted himself at the feet of his, his followers and washed their feet. A servant places himself below those they serve for their benefit. Husbands should at times 
submit themselves to their wives, not because their wives are leading them, but because you deny yourself for the good of those you lead. That's leadership. That's leadership. And yes, there are leaders who get that wrong and they, they exert authority in which they don't point people to Christ and it looks bad, it tastes bad, it stinks. The author here is saying that we as leaders should submit to one another and you, we ought to submit to one another. That's just what we do. Now, in the body of Christ, he's speaking of leaders of the church. Submit to your leaders. Let them do this with joy and without groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to groan for a minute. 2020 has been hard as a leader. And and I know this going into it. When I became a pastor, I, I, so when you're following Jesus and you're going to be a pastor, you don't do it because you want people to like you. But here's the thing. I want people to like me. I can't help it. And then we make decisions in 2020 and people leave the church over stuff like social distancing or, and over stuff like having to wear a mask for a while, over stuff like you responded to the George Floyd thing the wrong way. You said too much. You said too little. And I, I quoted this article probably about six months ago, but there was an article in Gospel Coalition where the author was talking, the title was, Please Don't Leave Your Church. People have been leaving their churches, Grace Church, this church, that church, all over the country, all year long, but not leaving the church church, just leaving their local church and going to other churches. Why? Because their leaders are doing it wrong. Doing what wrong? Responding to COVID, you, you got it wrong. I'm out of here. Now, here's the crazy thing. Look around you. Not many people are wearing masks anymore. That is so 2020. It's, it's in the past. It's not even an issue anymore. It could be again, but you get the point here. So people are leaving their churches in droves, and, and the reason they're leaving has nothing to do with doctrine. It has everything to do with you're doing it wrong, whatever it is. It could be you're singing wrong. You're dressing wrong. You should have a suit on. That's being reverent. Or you should sing hymns, or you should do this, or you should do this, or you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And the author of Hebrews is, well, you shouldn't submit to your leaders. You should focus on discipleship. You should focus on Jesus. Okay, I'm done whining. I'm done groaning. But it's the next verse, right? I'm just following the text. So pray for us, for we're sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So here's, here's what I'm asking you to submit to on the front end. You ready? This is so crazy. So authoritarian. That's sarcasm. How about we submit to being disciples of Jesus? Well, we start there. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are you a follower of Christ? If so, get baptized. It's a command. Get baptized. Profess your faith before the church. Get baptized. If, if you're not a believer, trust in Jesus. Receive him. Receive the unshakable kingdom. And then get baptized. And if you are a disciple, are you ready for this? Go make disciples. Just go make disciples. Serve people in your community. 
Share the love of God with them. Open your home up to strangers. Be hospitable. Suffer with those who suffer, Christian or not. Be the hands and feet of Christ. Submit. Some of you are like, that doesn't sound authoritarian. It's not. It's called discipleship. It means follow Jesus and put into practice the very things he taught us. The very things he he taught us. So next fall, not next fall, this coming fall, we are going to start an Encountering Jesus series. It's going to start right after Labor Day. The focus of that is to help people come to know Jesus who don't know Jesus. And for those of you who do know Jesus, to know him more intimately. And I as a leader and we as leadership, we are asking you to invite those that you know in this community that don't know Jesus. To get to know them. To to open up your homes this summer, to rub shoulders with them so that you might be used of God to make disciples. To that end, starting next week, we are going to start a new series in the book of Jonah. And the theme of Jonah is preparing our hearts for mission. Why Jonah? Because we're just like him. I'm just going to be honest with you and myself. Most of us would rather be slowly digested in the belly of an aquatic mammal than we would go across the street or open up our homes for hospitality with people we don't know or we know and don't like. And if that is our attitude, the Holy Spirit should be taken from this church because we have no purpose. So we have got, the Holy Spirit's got to address our hearts. So step one in submission, submit yourself to Jonah. Well, not Jonah, the God of Jonah, as we go through Jonah. Don't be like Jonah. You know the WWJD bracelets? Doesn't stand for Jonah. It doesn't stand for what would Jonah do? Jonah would disobey and run. So let's, that, that's not the goal. That's not the goal. So that's this fall. And that's this summer. But at one particular point this summer, Sunday, July 18th, Sunday, July 18th, we are going to have a worship service. It's not in these walls. You're like, ooh, we get to go outside and sing. No, for those of you who don't like to sing, you don't have to. But we are going to go out into the community and we are going to serve. That's going to be our act of worship that day. We are going to line up projects all throughout the city, all throughout the city where people who do and some who do not know Jesus need a helping hand. And it's going to require that each of us help and give a helping hand. So why are you doing that? These are the people who won't be in worship on Sunday. And we're going to go to them instead of asking them to come to us. Now, you may or may not actually verbalize the gospel. You probably won't. But you might rake someone's yard You might help repair a widow's home. You might do any number of things which tangibly demonstrate the love of God to those in this community. 
which then will give you a platform to be a loving follower of Christ to that person who does not yet know Jesus. So I want to encourage you to take out your phones. Okay, do I have to pull the Hebrews thirteen seventeen verse on you? Take out your phones. <laughs> I promise I won't abuse that text after today. So punch in grace b3 dot org slash f i a ah dang it i did it wrong nope nope i typed in grace before anyway i have fat thumbs here's what comes up if you type in the correct url now for those of you that don't have a, a cell phone let me just back it up write that website down got it now one entry per family so if you are a mom or a dad, just one of you, husband or wife, just one of you. What we're doing here is, is we're, at, we're trying to find out who is actually going to participate. Now, this is not a sign-up. You are not committing to anything. You're just letting us know, yeah, I think I'll do that, or I, I think I'm interested in that. Make sense? So this isn't a sign-up. So you say, I don't know if I'm going to be on vacation. If you're interested and you think that you might want to do this, yes. Type this in. So what are you going to do? You're going to type your name, your email address. Are you interested in participating? It'll say yes or no. Yes or no. And there's no judgment. It doesn't say no. I hate all people that are not like me. It just says no. You might be on on vacation. Or you might hate all non-people that are not like you. I don't know. But we just want to know so that we have enough projects for people to do or that we don't, we don't commit ourselves in the community in a way that we, we won't be able to deliver. So this is why we need to know. And then, do you have any special skills you'd like us to know about? If you're a carpenter, that'd be good to know. If you're a professional landscaper or you're really good with landscaping, that'd be good to know. Are you a painter? That'd be good to know. Are you a baker? That'd be good to know. Why are we doing this? Because we're called to be and we're called to make disciples. There's no other purpose for the church. We do not come together to simply remind each other week after week of how great Jesus is. We come together week after week to remind each other how great Jesus is so that you and I as disciples of Christ to go into the world who doesn't know how great Jesus is so that they might come to know how great Jesus is. And if we as a church, once we leave here, we'd never worship out there, we're not following Jesus. We're following our own hearts and our own flesh and our own desires. So the book of Hebrews ends this way. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you and me, equip us with every good that you might do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that you have given us your son. Your son is perfect. Your son is eternal. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has risen again. He has given your church 
the body of Christ, his Holy Spirit. Spirit, would you work powerfully among us? Would you help us to be obedient to you? Would you help us to fix our eyes not on things which are temporal, but on things which are eternal? Would you mobilize us so that we might love and serve our community well because you loved and served us by giving us your life? Father, would you lift Jesus up so that all men might be drawn to him and use us powerfully that we might celebrate in those entering your kingdom. We pray for those on the other side of the world who are suffering because they are following you. We pray for those who are nearby that are suffering because they're following you. Father, help us to love each other, to love our community, and to love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go in grace. We will see you next week.